Hello and welcome to Tigers in Translation, the podcast that tells Princeton students' stories in their own voices. We hope to build community around language at Princeton and spark conversations about our experiences. My name is Annika, and today we will hear from Lauren. My grandmother spoke to me last November that I was dreaming and she is dead, and I don't know if she used Chinese or English or a language for us two alone. She stared at me from across the dining room table of her home in El Paso, Texas, and somehow I understood she needed to pass down secrets about her family. I only began studying Mandarin three months prior, so the dream was the first and only time I have directly understood my grandmother, who was born in Shanghai, China, but ended up living in El Paso for most of her adult life. I was torn awake before I learned anything that she wanted to tell me. I woke up in bed in Kunming, the capital of Yunnan province in China. I was on a gap year before college, and my homestay family's apartment was on the edge of Kunming, past the second ring road in the Chinese equivalent of the suburbs. Kunming, like most of urban China, is growing astronomically. At the edge of the city, there are empty apartment buildings, waiting patiently for thousands of individual families to make thousands of individual decisions to move out to the city. Surrounded by these silent neighbors, my street grew quiet after 10 p.m. When I woke from my dream, I was awash in this quiet, and also in the light from the street lamps, which poured through my pink curtains and filled the room with a powdery haze. I felt the peculiar loneliness that only arises after seeing someone you love and have lost in a dream, that strange combination of yearning to see them again and of embarrassment of having fooled oneself. It was a distilled ache of how I felt my entire gap year in China, an unintelligible isolation that slowly suffocated me, like how the desert sun coaxes unbearable thirst out of travelers' throats. I curled my body into itself, as if by pressing myself together, I could relieve some of the pressure off my heart. We visited El Paso often, especially when my grandparents grew too weak to travel. Their house looked like every other on the street, a low-lying structure the color of sand. In the backyard, there was a pool and a koi pond surrounded by a thicket of bamboo. I remember my grandmother most sharply in this house. I remember my grandmother as silent. The only words passed between us were hello or good morning, but she never had to tell me she loved me. Reflecting a very Chinese tendency, she, like the rest of my family, displayed love through action. I knew her love through the tenderness of her hands as she massaged my shoulders and the crispy underbelly of dumplings freshly pan-fried for breakfast. I color in this outline of a person with my father's memories. She was a socialite in 1960s Hong Kong, made splashes in the tabloids. She had a proclivity for mink coats and diamond rings. A businesswoman, she ran a wig factory in Hong Kong and traded jade in Myanmar. And once in Texas, she opened a Chinese restaurant. My father says I remind him of her. We have the same stubborn nature and the same tulip-shaped lips. Years after she passed, when we were cleaning out her El Paso home, I tried on one of her mink coats and looked in the mirror. The heavy coat smelled of mothballs and dry heat, but I suppose it would have smelled like Hong Kong when she wore it. There is not much opportunity to wear something so glamorous in West Texas, but still, she kept the coats in the house for all those decades, the outerwear of the woman she was on the other side of the world. Before I left for my gap year in China, my grandfather, my grandmother's husband, 
gave me a family tree. On that sheet of paper, my family looked more like a mess of roots than a tree, my name barely hanging on to the tangle of names above it. As a plane carried me over the Atlantic last September, I felt that the family tree sitting in my backpack at my feet was a treasure map, and I was about to embark on an adventure that would lead me to riches beyond my wildest dreams. I was going home. Although my grandfather had given me my Chinese name at birth, I learned it the day he handed me that family tree. At the beginning of language class, four times a week, I wrote this name, Li Luling, down on an attendance sheet. For the first month, I forget a piece without fail. Sometimes I forgot a full character, and other days just one line. I soon grew unsettled by my inability to remember three simple characters. And shouldn't I be able to remember my own name? Writing, however, was the least of my worries. More pressing was my inability to verbally communicate with most people around me. At dinner time, my homestay father, mother, sister, and I crowded around a table pushed against the wall of their cramped apartment. I sat on my homestay sister's wooden chair while she sat on a yellow stool, displaced to a corner of the table by my presence. I told myself to listen. Listen closely, listen hard. Was that something about school I heard? I cast out my words like a fishing line. My homestay father squinted back in confusion. I blushed. Cast out another line. It caught nothing again. The conversation flowed on without me. That sacred moment of clarity swept back into the waves like a loose pebble. I drifted alone and away from Quinmeng, and my mind sought refuge in Texas. What are the people I love doing? The sun should be peeking over the green belt right about now, swaddling the clouds in blue. My little brother, he is eating a bowl of cereal, watching the sky move. What is he thinking? Is he thinking of me? Unable to anchor myself to the people around me through language, I meandered home. As she watched her grandchildren play in that El Paso house, I am sure my grandmother felt boxed into herself as I did in China. How can you feel more alone than when you cannot speak to your own flesh and blood? And can she forgive her grandchild now for not considering how her grandmother had a life before that dusty Texas town? Truths she would have wanted to pass down herself. Truths she could have passed down if only her grandchild had learned how to ask. The ties between generations, they are not simple. They are mangled, untranslatable strings, the cutting thread of time dangling above them. Lying in my bed in Quinming, I knew the tie between me and her had been severed with her passing. I realized I didn't even know her real name, the name given to her by her parents when she was born in Shanghai. She lost that name somewhere on a plane flight from Hong Kong to New York, one out of many sacrifices that she gave for a life in America that she gave for me. But she was more than her sacrifices in love for her family. She had a life untethered from us, one wholly outside that El Paso home. She spoke and laughed and cried just as I do. She dreamed. Maybe she had a dream of her and me. And in that dream, we talked about everything we never could. so much for sharing such a personal story. My first question has to do with how your relationship with Chinese has changed since leaving China. Your gap year didn't end in a typical way, with COVID-19 forcing you to leave much earlier than planned. 
So I was curious about how and if that experience left you feeling any different about your linguistic identity. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me the space to share my story. The story of how we um, got out of China was really interesting, actually. Um, we spent six weeks in Taiwan after we left China before being sent back home to the States. And being in Taiwan was a really wonderful experience for me because my mom's side of the family is from Taiwan. And the last day that we were um, in Taiwan, I met with my grandfather's brother um, who I've never met before. And he doesn't speak English very well. And so we conversed in Chinese and that was an incredible experience. And it really shifted my view on language um, and emphasized to me the fact that the effort that I've been putting into learning Chinese was not fruitless. Um, and it, it does provide a really good way for me to communicate with my family members and to learn more about my heritage. Um, so that was a really wonderful experience. Yeah, that's um, super interesting. Thank you for sharing. So my next question also has to do with family. So in your piece, um, language is inherently connected to family. And I was just wondering if your experience in China has changed how you interact with your family, either immediate or extended, because you mentioned how um, the change in Taiwan. So I was just wondering if it's changed since then. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, my relationship with my family definitely deepened um, from my experience in China, probably most from the isolation that I felt in China from not being able to communicate with most people. Um, while I was in China, I experienced a, a very a deep loneliness that I sort of touched on in the piece. But that loneliness really solidified in my mind the importance of my familial connections uh, which I find to be very, very deep and very comforting. And so I definitely, um, coming back after COVID-19 hit China and Taiwan and the world um, and spending all of the past few months um, with my family, I've really tried to put in effort into deepening my relationships with them because I have experienced that sort of loneliness that arose from not understanding um, Chinese and from being linguistically isolated. And that sort of deepened relationship with my family is definitely something that I that is invaluable to me. And I am really grateful for that experience. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So I finally wanted to ask you about what motivated you to tell your story. Is there anything specific you want people to know about your experience or take away from it? For sure. So what motivated me to tell my story was, I guess, the sort of flipped expectations of how it actually turned out because I went into my gap year really expecting to connect deeper with my Chinese heritage um, and to sort of, I guess, figure out how, how truly Chinese I was. But I ended up feeling, as I've mentioned before, very, very isolated um, and actually, strangely enough, very American. And ultimately I concluded that being Chinese was not as important to me as I originally thought it was. Um, and rather I put that sort of importance onto my family and my relationships with my family. Um, I am Chinese because my family is Chinese and, and being Chinese on its own has a lot less weight than I thought it originally did. And so I just wanted to tell the story because there was a lot of, I guess, shame and disappointment that arose from exploring my identity, but I am incredibly grateful to have been given the opportunity to explore it and to go to China and to experience all of that loneliness 
and that shame and that disappointment and that regret. It was an incredibly formative experience and it definitely has shaped the way that um, I look at ethnicity in very unexpected ways. And I'm incredibly grateful for it. Tigers in Translation is supported by the Rapid Response Magic Project of the Princeton University Humanities Council. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you have a story you want to share? You can reach our team at tigersintranslation at gmail.com. Our production team includes Amanda Bond, Tyler Bennett, Londi Hernandez, Mariam Camel, Annika Mascara, and Tanvi Nabonapati. Our faculty advisor is Dr. Sean Gonzalez. Thanks for listening.